Have you ever in a first conversation with someone had the thought, this person is speaking my language and I already know we should talk more? That is exactly what happened with my guest today. Sarah Godey is, as she describes herself, living in the halftime of her life. Her kids are out of the house and she is making a big transition from the career that she has enjoyed for a few decades to what's next. We tackle letting go of guilt, being open to extravagant possibilities, the very real battle of self-leadership, and why putting things on your no list is okay. She also has some great tips about how to shift your perspective and face your challenges. You're going to love learning from this woman. Hey, I'm Amy Barge, your personal growth environment specialist, and my passion is to help you go from living by default, doing without thinking, to living by design, by growing on purpose. Now, if you're wondering, okay, what does that look like really? I'm here to be your tour guide, because as someone who has survived the three big Ds, death of my parents, a painful divorce, and being downsized from two different jobs, I've discovered some insanely practical tips that have helped to keep the gremlin of fear and doubt from taking up rental space on my mental couch. I don't know the exact words your gremlin may be telling you, but I do know this. You're smarter than you think, and you're more resilient than you know. And you're absolutely in the right place if you're ready to give your mindset muscles a workout and get growing. Welcome to the Growing with Amy podcast. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It is just an absolute pleasure to have you here. Uh, I can hardly wait to hear about your growth journey. Chris actually alluded to this when I interviewed him last fall. Uh, For those of you listening, that was episode 39 from November 22nd, uh, why you need to go from note taker to action taker with your growth. It was a great one. If you want to check that out. Anyway, um, Sarah is married to Chris. So that's the connection there. But anyway, he mentioned you and your growth journey after we had ended the interview and said, you know, you need to talk to Sarah. So it made me so curious to want to hear more. So I'm just really glad that I get to have you on here today and, and find out what all is going on with you. But before we go straight to growth, um, just tell everybody a little bit about you. Yeah. Well, first of all, Chris is probably my biggest cheerleader. And so when he came home and he's like, Hey, I mentioned that you might be willing to do this. I was like, are you kidding? I'm so excited. The funny thing is, you know, Chris has a very successful podcast um, with Perry Holly, one of his guys on his team. I podcasted before he did. I started a podcast Oh gosh, eight years ago before podcasting was even a thing. It's called Be Still Be Free. We still do it some, not a whole lot. And um, and so I always laugh because people will come to him to talk about podcasting. And I was like, listen here, dude, I did this before you did. All right. Let's just make sure you stay aware of that. Nobody else has to be aware of that, but you have to be aware of that. Right. So I laugh because the kids will come home and ask him questions about podcasting. Our son started a podcast uh called Real Talk. They have a UGA at a Mississippi State. I think they're gonna have a Georgia Tech. Uh, branches, college kids, college football players. And it's so much fun. But he would ask Chris all these questions about podcasting. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Like, dad had a company that yeah. helped him start a podcast. Right? I started a podcast. So, 
but he really is one of my biggest cheerleaders. Um, I am the wife of Chris Gody. I am a mother of two, Ryland. Well, actually three now. I didn't birth one of them. She's my my daughter in love, which I love that same. I don't ever say that to her face because I think it would probably make her feel really weird. But I love that so much more than daughter-in-law. Her name is Alexa. They got married this past May. Um, I've always wanted four kids and God only blessed us with two. And now I'm like, okay, I've got my three. And when Addie hopefully gets married, I'll have my four and it'll work out perfectly. Um, Addie is 21. Both of them have graduated with their undergraduates and are figuring all those next steps out, which is a lot of fun. Um, And, you know, we're figuring out our next steps because we talk about growth. We've gone from being very hands-on with kids every single day to empty nesters. That is a lot of space for personal growth. For sure. (laughs) Let me just tell you, and probably for me, a little bit more than for Chris, um, because I was the primary caretaker of our home. It was my mission, uh, my passion, my calling. It was um, not my identity, but so much of what I believe in came through what I did with my kids. So when they both left, even though, again, I didn't put my identity in them, my worth was not in them, my everyday job was in them. So it's been a real um, good days, bad days, ups, downs. Um, Chris and I have kind of come up with this philosophy of I'm kind of in my halftime of my life. And I lived my first half of the game a certain way. And now how do I want to live my second half of my life? Um, and just elaborating, I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling on it's and giving okay, a lot no. of information, but I think it kind of sets up where we're going is that I am a nurse by trade. Labor and delivery was my predominant um, field of exercise, which I loved, um, but I didn't. You know, I loved I loved what labor and delivery is. I've never loved nursing. I've never had a nursing job that I woke up every morning and said, I can't wait to go do what I do today. And when I came home every day, I never said, man, I can't wait to go back. Mm-hmm. And um, Marcus Buckingham did a series years ago about the trumpet player. And I love Marcus Buckingham. Um, and it was all about, are you playing the instrument? It's a story about a kid. And are you playing the instrument you were meant to, to play? And I never felt like nursing was the instrument that I was meant to play. But it was the job that God had given to me. And I never had felt released from it. Um, it was so good as far as working it with being a mom. I could work nights if I needed to. I could take a year or two off if I wanted to. You can change positions easily. And so, um, you know, there's, there's so much good that came out of it. And now that I am empty nesting, I can look back and see it was a gift Mm -hmm. because it never competed really with my, my first calling, which was my love of being at home and being a mom and being a wife and building our home. So in any event, I'm excited about the second stage of my life, but I'm trying to figure it out. What does it look like? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Who do I want on my team? Who do I want my my coaches to be? Who do I want my influencers to be? Who do I want my friends to be, right? And so it's just a very different stage of life, but I, I am excited about it in so many ways. Wow. I love it. I'm so glad that you shared that. Um so that people can kind of get the picture of like where you are, because I am confident that there will be people listening. They're saying, Oh my gosh, that's me. I'm in that stage. Like, what do you do when you're there? And it is a very real uh, thing to go through when you've had kids at home and then 
you've, you know, you've launched them, which is what we all want to do as good parents, right? And yet right. there's this, there is this big space of uh, now, how am I going to fill my time and my yes. days and, and, and my life with things that are, you know, meaningful for me. So before we like talk more about that part, let's back up just a little bit and tell me a little bit about when you first kind of were aware of this idea of personal growth, or maybe you yeah. didn't know it as that kind of a term, but I just, I think a lot of times there's a, a point that people can kind of say, yeah, that's when I started sort of thinking about this. What was that mm -hmm. for you? So I'm a little bit different. Chris and I were talking about this last night, but um, my mind and my personality is such that I'm always about how can I improve myself? And I was this way as a kid. Where do I need to grow? Where do I need to be better? Where does God want me to become a better kid? Um, there was nothing that I did that I didn't give 110% at. And I wanted to be the best at everything that I did. So whether it was a sport or playing the piano or volunteering or friendships, like it didn't matter what I was doing. I've always wanted to do the best, be the best, and figure out what I needed to do to become that. I didn't know that was personal growth. I think that was more personality than anything. Mm -hmm. But as I've matured, I've learned that if I allow the personal growth to teach me, mold me, it can help me be better at accomplishing the things I want to accomplish to be the best that I want to be, to do the things I want to do in excellence. I've always been a, we are all called to excellence kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we're called to do everything and be great at everything. It's just, I believe that what we are called to or what we choose to do, we need to do it as if we're reflecting Christ. My faith is very important to me. Um, I don't know if faith is really a part of the podcast. And so I just, it is for who I am. Um, and so I want to be the best I can be for who God has created me to be. Little side note too here, I'm adopted. And so I've always just felt like, okay, God gave me this amazing opportunity to have this life. I was born in 1973, um, the month before Roe v. Wade was passed to a, um, I'm assuming, single mom that was young. Mm -hmm. And I just think my life could have been different. And yeah. I look at where I, who I was adopted by, the life I was given, the opportunities I was provided, the life that I have now. And I've just always had this kind of concept that, you know, God gave me a purpose and a not so perfect way of getting here. And I want to make the most of everything that I can. And that I just had that in my heart for a long, long time. So, um, yeah, you know, and I know for some people, it's not like that. I have a younger sister. She has my same story. She's adopted different personality and it's harder for her to do self growth. It's harder for her to have motivation. It's harder for her to want to pull herself up and go figure out how to do something. And so, um, it's just by nature, I think, kind of that I'm I'm a little bit this way. I'm wired this way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I just I love it that you can have that perspective, and I don't know what, at what point you really were able to see that about yourself, but that you could say, "Hey, my life is really a gift, and yes. now I am going to make sure that everything I do, I can do it absolutely." to the best level that I can. And I'll just say, I'm like, I'm right there with you on that whole excellence thing. Um, I think sometimes people can think, oh, you know, you just want to, you know, try to look good. And it's really not that. It mm -hmm. is coming from a deeper place that if you feel like you've been given gifts and talents, well, then let's 
use them to their full potential. A hundred percent. Because why would I choose to do anything and not do it to the best that I can? I might as well just not do it at all. That's, that's kind of how I am. And again, I know that not everybody is wired that way, but the way I see life, if I'm going to take the time to attempt to do something, Mm -hmm. then again, I want to be the very best that I can be at it. How do I need to do that? What does that look like? And if it's something that, and I've had to learn this, if it's something I'm really just not that interested in, just that's on my no list, right? Don't even pick it up. I don't really, and that's where I, I became with nursing. Mm. I could continue to be a nurse that makes great money, has incredible flexibility, but I don't love it. Mm-hmm. And so why am I continuing to pick it up every single day? And and here's the thing too. It's really hard to make yourself make a change like that because it's vulnerable. You have to go figure out what the, what is the next thing. If I'm not going to do this that I've been doing for 27 years of my life, then what is that going to be? What does that look like? How do I reinvent myself? Where do I start? Do I have the gumption? It, there, there's not always momentum. Sometimes it's more work than it is reward. And that is a hard place to be. But I, it's not in me to just settle and continue to do something that I just don't love doing. Um, and so this has brought this whole part of self-growth for me in a way that I've never grown before. Um, professionally, personally, spiritually, it's just been the last five years of my life have just been inundated with personal growth. Wow. Okay. So let me have the timeline a little bit. You stopped being a nurse at what point? Just, just recently, a year ago, I quit my last nursing job. Oh, so this really is new. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So a year ago, I quit my my last nursing job. Um, That last year, I went through Valerie Burton's um, life coaching certification, Mm -hmm. the CAP Institute, Mm -hmm. and um, just really began this this new stepping out of my comfort zone, learning things about myself. What do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And, and I, I want to be true to my passions. Right. And so I love leadership, but Chris and I love leadership in two different ways. Chris loves corporate leadership. He loves professional leadership. He loves, um, you know, just that, that nine to five connecting leadership thing for me, I'm passionate about families. I'm passionate Mm. about the next generation. I'm passionate about kids. Like John will ask a question. John Max will ask a question, you know, what, what breaks your heart? What makes you want to be motivated to do something? And a corporate job just doesn't motivate me. Mm -hmm. The the money is a little motivating. Don't get me wrong. I I really (laughs) enjoy contributing financially. I really do. And I've, because I've been a stay at home mom, sometimes I've gone through where I'm not contributing. And then Mm -hmm. when I'm working, I am. And so I know those, those feelings that are tied to using Mm -hmm. your professional side and not using your professional side. I really do. I started working when I was 15 years old, a babysat before that. I love to earn reward of money for my efforts of Thanksgiving. But while the kids were growing up, I really just volunteered a ton of my hours in my strengths. Mm-hmm. And I worked as a nurse to make money. And so my, my working in my passions never really paid me money. Uh-huh. They paid me dividends of yeah. rewards in other ways. But you get to a point sometimes where you're like, you know, I, I know that what I'm doing has some value. Mm-hmm. Could I make a living off of doing this? And and how does that look? What does that look like? And so we began to really 
think about, had I become a family coach? There's not a whole lot of that out there. There's Uh professional coaching, there's uh, corporate coaching, there's Mm -hmm. fitness coaching, health coaching. But I think one of the most undervalued groups in the world that we neglect is the family when it comes to this kind of intentionality. Mm -hmm. We intentionally learn how to be a better leader at work. We intentionally learn how to be a better financer or teacher or doctor or nurse, or we, we, we pay into our professional development and Mm -hmm. even our personal development and how it affects our professional rewards. Mm -hmm. But you don't know how many people Chris and I come in contact with that we talk to on Maxwell stuff corporately. And then when I begin to talk about it from a family point of view, they're dumbfounded. They never thought about applying the five levels of leadership to the five levels of parenting. They never thought wow. about this. You know, For instance, I've got this friend who is a vice president in a prominent healthcare company here in Atlanta. She is um, you know, a, a junior vice president. She's got a large team and she has three children. And one mm-hmm. of her kids was a little harder to raise than the other two. And so we're talking about this kid and, and I say, hey, what would you do if this was somebody on your professional team, someone at work? How would you invest in this person? And so she starts telling me, and I'm like, well, that's what you need to do with your kid. And she's like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. And I was like, it's the same concepts. Mm-hmm. We're raising little leaders yeah. for the next generation. If we really want a revival whether it's spiritual or non-spiritual, we really want a revival in this world for corporate America, faith-based America, the economy, the the morale of the world. We've got to start at the family and we've got to start looking at these kids as little leaders in development. And how do we want them to be ready at 18 when they literally leave the house and go and begin to do their own thing? And so I'm really passionate about it. And I've always- I hear it. I hear the passion in your voice. (laughs) I've always uh, volunteered for moms and I've led small groups and Bible studies and I've I've been involved in kids' lives for forever and been a a safe space for my kids' friends and so forth. But I want to do it on a bigger level. And I just emailed Valerie Burton two days ago because- I'm reading through her Successful Women Think Differently book, mm-hmm. and it had this one sentence that said, let go of the guilt of asking God for more. And I do that. I guilt myself into asking God for more because I think that means I have a lack of contentment, or I think I might be praying with the wrong motivations, mm-hmm. or especially when you want financial gain, and you're like, well, you know, maybe God doesn't really want me to have financial gain. He just wants me to give my my things away to people. And so I texted her and I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's going to be my 2024 mantra. Mm-hmm. Let go of the guilt and ask God for more. Ask him to expand. And so that's what I've done with this whole coaching family parenting thing is God, just be the multiplier. I'll bring the loaves and fishes and you just do the multiplying, and then I'll just rest in contentment, whatever that multiplication looks like. And so that's my 2024 approach. I don't have a word. I just kind of have a, mm-hmm. a, a a thing that I'm adopting into this is, this is where I need to grow. I need to grow in not being responsible for the multiplication. I need to grow in, in letting go of the guilt 
And I really need to allow the Lord to bring things to me that are so outside of my mind, I can't even imagine what they look like. Wow. I love that you have that intention set. And I don't know if I, if I captured it exactly, but letting go of the guilt for sure, and then allowing him to bring to you things that are outside of what maybe you have even imagined. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I, my again, my personality is such that I'm a, I'm a planner. I'm not a, a controller, but I like to have a plan. Mm-hmm. I like to know kind of what to expect. I work better when I know kind of what's coming around. At the same time, I love a lot of last minute fun things, fun, fun last minute things. Yeah. Um, let's put that in there. I like right? fun last things. Um, but I do like to kind of have a plan. And what happens for me sometimes is that I put, I put guardrails around my imagination and therefore, I'm kind of putting guardrails around the potential of what really could be coming. And um, when we do that, it can be really dangerous because we might miss some of the things that are there for us to experience because we've put that comfort zone up. We've we've put what we think it looks like around that garden of potential, and we've taken the possibilities out of the equation. And John has taught me that, right? I, when I listen to him, one of the biggest motivations I have is just being so open to extravagant possibilities. Mm-hmm. And, and extravagance for each person looks differently. And, and the reason why I make sure that I say things like this is because not every woman wants the same extravagance as another woman's extravagance. Mm-hmm. One woman, like John's extravagance, can intimidate another person to where they think they don't want extravagance, but your extravagance is what your extravagance is. And my extravagance will be what my extravagance is. And you may not think somebody else thinks that you have extravagance, but whatever you're doing and whatever's coming your way is, is meant just for you. And so don't think that because you don't, if you're an introvert, like I have an introverted daughter, she doesn't want to get on the stage. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't want to get in front of of a lot of people. That is not extravagant for her. That is terrifying for mm-hmm. her, right? But give her an opportunity to create the graphics and the videography and the sound for that person who is on the stage. That's extravagant for her. And so it's important that we think about our own extravagance in our gifts and our talents and our strengths, and we accept what is ours and we let go of what is not. And as a woman specifically, that is really hard to do because we are not only comparing ourselves to the other women around us, but if you're in a profession, you're also comparing yourself to the professional men around you. And so you can really easily get caught up in, I'm not worthy, I'm not valued, I'm not enough, I don't have this, I don't have that. And, And one of the things that I've worked on in 2023 was the shifting of my thought patterns and the Mm. shifting of my perspectives that, okay, wait a minute, I am enough. So what did I do today that I should be proud of? What did I accomplish today that nobody else did? What did I do to the things, my my faith, relationships, family, finances, health? How did I contribute to those things so that I'm living in my extravagance every single day, even if nobody else sees it? That is so powerful. And I mean, I am a firm believer that everything starts with how we're thinking about it. But to be able in that moment to shift your perspective and say, okay, wait a minute, 
what you just said, like, what did I do today that was a beautiful thing, an extravagant thing in my life, rather than comparing myself to what somebody else did or didn't do or thought I should do or whatever. That's right. So good. And and the thing is, is that because if I don't do that, and again, this started in 2023, and I, I write it down, I try to write it down every day. And that way I can see it. Mm-hmm. And I can validate myself through it. Because sometimes you just think it it doesn't really solidify in mm-hmm. your in your reality, right? You it's back in the back of your brain, but you don't think it's enough because what you see is the person who is already coaching a thousand people in your mind. That's what they're doing right. and is making a lot of money and um, you know, is soaring in all the ways that you want to soar and it's never gonna happen, it's never gonna be there, but it's all a process. And so if you can't appreciate the little things along the way that you see that every day you're investing in those areas of your life that really matter the most, mm-hmm. then you'll give up because most people do not have life happen to them. They make life happen. And there are a lot of people who are waiting for life to happen because they think that that's how it's worked out for other people. You know, and John is one of these people. Like they think it just worked out for John. If you hear John's story, it didn't just work out no. for John. Right. And, and most people have never just had life work out for them. One of my favorite sayings is the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. Exactly. So if you're always hopping fields, looking for greener grass, very rarely are you going to find it. And so how do you water your grass through personal growth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love it that you said you actually take time to write it down because mm-hmm. thoughts are fleeting. And mm-hmm. if you don't capture them, and I've heard John say this, you don't capture them, they'll be gone. Yeah. And you're, you're like, oh, I'm going to remember that. No, you won't. No, you won't. And and in those moments where your inner critic is on overload, yeah. the last thing you're doing is going back into reality and thinking about all the things you've accomplished because you're self-sabotaging. Right. So on my days where I'm self-sabotaging, I will go and pick up my, I just do it on my calendar and um, I write it out. I have a certain calendar that I love that has space for note-taking. And so I don't have 10 million journals and I don't, I, I'm not doing that. I have to, if it's going to happen, it's got to happen simply and mm-hmm. easily uh, because if it's too convoluted, it just isn't going to happen for me. And so I just do it on my calendar and I did it this morning and I wrote down four or five things that were tagged to my professional growth, uh, my finances, my personal growth, my marriage, my family, mm-hmm. so relationships, whatever's most important to me. Now, when I have a bad day, because I'm early 50s and menopause is real and my ups and downs are real, um, which I've never had before. And so I have some lows sometimes. It's just, I go pick that up and I go, oh yeah, that's right. I did have two coaching clients last week and oh, I did go and, um, you know, whatever. I made a a meal for my kids. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm loving all my kids or I wrote a note to my husband. Don't underestimate every little thing that you do that makes a difference for everything that matters to you, no matter how little or how big. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's super important because um, when you write things down and you can go back then and see the process that you've been living, because everything is a process. Certainly everything that's worthwhile is a process. That's right. And we can forget that in, in the moment, if we're looking at the, Oh, I want to be able to do this. It's like, well, it isn't one big giant step to do that. It's all those other little things that you're doing along the way. And if you're keeping track of it that way, now you've got something. I love how you said that you like water your own grass. It's like, yeah, 
that yeah. and 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 then John's talked about this too. Like you have to be your own best cheerleader. And I think a lot of times as women, we're not our own best cheerleader. We're the first ones to go, well, you didn't do that right. Or you sure goofed that up. Oh, my word. Shifting that yeah. perspective is key. It's huge. It's the renewing of the mind, right? Yes. And I think in order to get where we really want to be, we have to be willing to renew our minds. In in the five levels of parenting and in the coaching that we're doing, um, the number one thing I start off with on level one is the first person you have to lead is yourself. Yeah. And in corporate America, that matters too. But in parenting, it's imperative. Oh. And so often we will we will accept our own mediocrity. We'll be angry about it. We won't like it. We'll be discontent, not angry. We'll be discontent about it. We'll accept our own mediocrity because change is hard and growth is hard. And that's why a lot of people don't want to do it, right? But then we have this high level of expectation for everybody else around us. Our kids must perform at this level. Our spouses must perform at this level. Our boss and our coworkers must perform at this level. And yet we give ourselves permission to have this mediocrity, right? And so I learned early in my life, um, I'll tell you two specific times. It was early in college, maybe maybe my third year of college, I read my first self-growth book. It was a James Dobson book called Life on the Edge. And I had never read anything like it. And I didn't know those kinds of things were out there. I wasn't a big reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't even know that there were those, like those were books. Uh-huh. I thought books were all fictional books and I prefer the movies. So yeah. <laughs> I never picked up books. But Life on the Edge by James Dobson, it's, it's written for college kids. And uh-huh. it was so pivotal for me as I was kind of figuring out how to be my own person, um, a little disconnected, healthy way from my mom and dad, but figuring out who I was, my mm-hmm. own identity and such, that book. And then it was in my early 30s that um, I just got into this place where, I was, again, I, I'm. if you're into Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram one. I have an mm-hmm. inner critic that never shuts up. Mm-hmm. Very easy for me to see everything in life through a critical lens. And I began to understand that my problem, I I just was not very happy. And I began to understand my problem was me Mm. because of the way I was choosing to see the world. And um, I began to understand, like, for instance, I'm very high on discernment as a a gift, Mm -hmm. but the antagonist of discernment is low mercy. And so, uh-huh. boy, I could show you some low mercy all day long <laughs> and feel validated in it. But who wants to be around a low mercy person? Who wants to grow with a low mercy person? Who wants mom to be a low mercy person? And so even though I'm not gifted in mercy, I had to have an awareness that my lack of mercy, went, and because I'm very good at verbally processing, I was just criticizing everyone mm. around me, criticizing myself, criticizing the kids. And it became everything that was so negative. Instead of putting a tin on my head, putting a tin on everybody else's head, and living life that way. Even though that's how I see the world. I see the world as everyone with tins. The way I communicated was how much you suck. And that was to myself and to everybody else. And so I realized the world was not the problem. We all have our own spiritual warfares. We all have our own stories. We Mm -hmm. all have a reason for why we're doing what we're doing. I need to quit worrying about everybody else. And I need to take care of this person. I need to lead this person. I need to see where this person needs to grow. 
Um, and that really began a, a process of the renewing of the mind. It's the first time I understood that how critically minded I was. And that even though that's a gift, it can be used as a curse if you're not careful with it. Oh my Especially gosh. if you want to lead people, right? If you want to lead people, you got to be aware of these things because nobody wants to follow a critic. Nobody wants to follow somebody who so verbally vomits all the negative in life. <laughs> Why would you want to be around her? You know? <laughs> so. Um, yeah, those were two pivotal moments for me where I began to understand I can I can change myself, evolve myself. I can change the way God wired me, but I can improve how he wired me. I can make sure that how he wired me is being used good for the kingdom instead of being used for the enemy. And be honest with myself about it and call myself out about it. And be willing to have a hard conversation with myself about it, um, even in my marriage, right? It's it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing wrong yeah. that if you're never measuring what they do right, you won't. You can't help yourself but go into a very low, negative, critical area. So mindset is really, really important. But understanding that the first person you have to lead is yourself is pivotal, especially if you want to be the person that people want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's so simple to say, oh, you just need to lead yourself better. But <laughs> man, I remember the first time I heard John say that, like, you know, that the hardest person to lead is yourself. And I'm kind of like, really? But the more I have learned and watched and grown myself, the more I see that. And to your point, like you have you know, high discernment is like, well, duh, you better have the high discernment towards yourself and what you're doing. You know, it's like, it's really easy to go, well, you and you and you need to do this. But if you can't then look at yourself and that's one of the things I think, you know, I, and I, I'm familiar with Enneagram and then also I'm certified in DISC, but a lot of times I think sometimes when people find out what their style is or what their numbers, then they kind of just say, well, that's just the way I am. Like, no, 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 no. Now that you know that information, now it behooves you to do something about that. And I love what you said. Not that you have to, you don't have to change how God wired you, but you do, you have the power to say, how am I going to use this wiring in the best way possible for the most possible people? Not just, well, you know, take it or leave it. This is the way I am because that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't. And, 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 for me, it's easier because I have a faith that calls me to use the gifts and talents that I have for building the kingdom. If you're not a faith-based person, it, the concepts are still the same, though. If you yep. want to have influence, yep. you have to learn how to lead yourself and where you need to grow personally. I have I have women in my life that I've suggested a parenting book or a marriage book or whatever book, and they're like, yeah, I don't read those. Because, you know, if I read them, then it makes me feel guilty for having to be more and do more. And yet, so you see this, they're just, they're, they're a flat, there's no curve to their growth. They're just a flat line. And they're okay with that because it's easier to stay flat than it is to say, oh, this is where I need to grow. And it's not that we're doing things wrong. One of my favorite uh, books of John's is Failing Forward. The whole concept, right? I'm I'm an image person. So the whole concept of failing forward and anything worth having is an uphill battle. Like when I've got those word pictures in my mind yep. and I can see those, it's like I tell my kids, fail forward, fail forward. And and the whole excuse thing, Addie, uh, my daughter was diagnosed with inattentive ADD, um, gosh, in 10th grade, I think it was. 
And as we really began to understand what that was, one of the things I told her is like, this is not an excuse for behavior. It's an explanation. It's a tool. It's something now that we have that explains what your challenges are, but where you need to grow and where you need to be aware so that your challenges don't keep you from being everything that you were meant to be for building the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that in the same perspective as I do personalities. They're not excuses. Right. They're not, they're not, God didn't give those to us for excuses, right? He gave them to us so that we would be able to build on them and understand how to use who we are, in my opinion, for my faith to build the kingdom of God. Everything that we're doing is with that gospel mindset, whether it's corporately, whether it's family, whether whatever it is, right? And so if you're not leaving a positive mark, then where do you need to be growing? Why aren't you leaving a positive mark? And what should that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I, I love what you said about if you're not making some kind of attempt to grow and change that you do just kind of live in this flat line. And anytime you do grow or change, it's going to be a challenge. That's the whole yes. point behind it. But the the flip side of that is then you're just living this kind of like life and you're really, you really aren't, you're not going anywhere. In fact, I, my mantra, I say at the end of my podcast every week is, you know, to be going somewhere, you've got to be growing somewhere. Yes. So I just, I, I, yeah, I agree and love everything you said. And I'm so glad you shared it. So tell us, where are you? Like you're in this process of kind of figuring out what's next. It sounds like you figured some of it out. What Mm -hmm. do you see as like right here on the horizon for you? So I have made a promise to myself and it's been a hard promise because it would be so very easy for me just to go find another nursing job and, Mm -hmm. and jump back into it. Okay. But I don't really feel like that is my calling right now. And so I've put myself into this very vulnerable world where I am pursuing a couple of different things, but my main, my main um, statement that I say to myself is everything that you pick up to do now, love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Let it be using the things that, that get you geeked up, that get you excited, that, um, you know, just uh, Valerie talks about this. John talks about this, the, the things that no matter how much, how many hours a day you do it, you can keep doing it. Yeah. And no matter how tired you are, you don't care because you're also exhilarated because you've loved it so much. So I'm trying to be really, cause it's what I, it's what I want for other people that I talk to. But I haven't necessarily lived it out to its fullest. And so for this second half of my life, I'm trying to discover what some of those things are. So I did launch a family coaching business about a year ago. Chris and I, it's fun. Chris and I are doing some of it together. I think it's important for dads to see a strong man, a dad mm-hmm. also, so they're yeah. not just listening to mom. Right. Um, so we do some workshops together. We've done some small groups together. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with moms, uh-huh. um, but I do kids too. I have a lot of kids that I've spent time with um, that just aren't connecting with their parents where communication is broken down. Like, you know what I'm talking about. We, oh, yeah. When we raise kids, there's that disconnect. And sometimes you just need that objective third person to come yep. in. Kids will listen to somebody else differently than they listen to you. Yep. And sometimes you listen to somebody differently when they're speaking into it also. So that's been um, really fun. I'm like you heard earlier, I'm super passionate about the family unit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that if we would really look 
at our families as these micro leadership gold mines. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have to have all of these late in life leadership things because we'd be raising a generation after generation after generation of kids who just understand that leadership is influence, how to connect, how to build relationships, how to communicate love and connect the way that people need to be communicated, loved and connected with, right? That you're building your legacy every day. You're writing your eulogy every single day. (laughs) What do you want that to be, right? Right. What do you want your kids to say about you? Um, And then the second thing is just doing some fun things on the side. So I literally last week launched um, a little on the side personal chef business. Um, I love to cook. Uh I love to entertain. One of my favorite ways to show love to people is through food. And um, so I have cooked for people for 27 years, our marriage. Um, I am usually the host and I will make anything that you might want me to make, but the, the table is one of my favorite places for people to exchange love. Yes. And what better way of doing that than through really yummy food and fantastic conversation, right? So I'm like, fill your bellies and fill your hearts and it can get you ready for the day that you have ahead of you, right? And so I launched this. I, I fixed 12 meals. My sister came over and helped me. We fixed 12 meals yesterday. I bake homemade sourdough and so I made eight loaves of sourdough bread and I've made two things of cinnamon rolls. And, um, I just last Thursday, I was like, you know what? That's it. I, my birthday is January the 2nd. So Uh my all new years happen right at the beginning of the year for me, right? It's a new calendar year. It's a new birthday year. It's like, what are you doing this year? Right. I literally woke up Thursday morning and I said, I'm not going to go get a nursing job. I'm not doing it. I'm going to see how many people might want me to cook for them. So I posted it on Facebook and within four hours, I had 12 confirmed meals and I have even more for next week. And so it was just, wow. I was, yeah, I was just so grateful because it just gave me a little pick me up, a little confirmation. I don't know how long it'll last. I don't, you know, who knows, but the fact that for such a time as this, I'm yeah. doing some things that I truly love to do. I'm being honest to what I feel like I need to be honest to right now. I'm doing the things I truly love to do. I'm in my wheelhouse. That gives me energy and it gives me hope and it makes me feel good about myself and it makes me look forward to my tomorrow. And so I'm I'm very grateful. So those are the two big things I'm doing. And then I'm trying to figure out how to be a good empty nest mom. Which is another whole uh, job all of its own because yes. it, yeah, parenting yes. definitely uh, changes when they're no longer living underneath your roof. That's right. And if you want to be a leader, if you still want to have influence, you've got to figure out what that looks like and throw in a new daughter-in-law in the middle of that. I'm I'm a positional leader with her, right? I'm still gaining credibility with her. I'm exactly. trying to, to build level two leadership with her and hopefully into that three, four, and five. But I'm at five with my children and now I have a new daughter-in-law. <laughs> You're I'm back at to one. figure out how <laughs> to do this all over again. And I care. I yeah. want I want to have that influence with her. Yeah. I want her to feel safe with me. And so how do I do that? And so it's been it's been interesting. It's been yeah. good. I love her. She's a dear. She fits our family really really well, but you know, I just I want to be everything she could have ever imagined in a mother-in-law mm-hmm. and I want to be a, an adult a mom to adult kids in the best way I possibly can. 
So, you know, it's just, that's a, that's a juggling act in and of itself. Oh, for sure. So do you have um, like a website for your business coaching? What would you, I do. how would people it's find Sarah, you? SarahGody.com. Everything is on there. Um, you can contact me and I, because I'm doing this with moms and families, I have very flexible calendar because mm-hmm. I know that I have to work around mom schedules. So, um, you know, don't let anything be an excuse of why you can't do this. I'm, I also try to be very sensitive to money because, you know, families don't have a ton of, you know, corporate coaching is different. There's right. money set aside for that, right? Right. Um, right. But we need to value ourselves enough. We need to value our families enough to see that it's worth investing in and, and doing things that can make us better. The payoff, the dividends will be endless. Oh my gosh. So true. So yeah. true. Okay. So that's saragody.com. And when I um, mm-hmm. do the outro of this, I will spell that all out for people. So, and you know, then you. they'll see it in the, in the description too. Uh, Cause I know you spell your name the same way my sister does with no H on the end of it. That's so. right. Yeah. That's right. And then nobody can ever guess how good he is spelled. Right. So. <laughs> yes. So that will that will be all over the place that people will be able to see it. I'll just say Thank it. S-A-R-A-G-O-E-D-E dot com. There you go. Saragody.com. Well, oh my gosh, this has been so delightful. And I'm sure we could go on and on, but um let me let you have the last word. Anything that I haven't asked you about that you're like, oh, I really wanted to say that. No, I think the thing that I would want to say to any listener, um, male or female, but even more specifically for female, like just start, right? Just pick up one small thing, start little, start small, because small can build into big snowballs that can build into massive snowballs, right? And so I think sometimes we think we have to pick up a massive amount of self-growth to start and you don't start small, keep it, keep your expectations low. Don't, don't allow the enemy to convince you, you are not worth investing in. You can't do this. It's too hard because again, it's worth it. And if you do have faith, you're not in it by yourself. You Um, have a God who loves you greatly and is doing it with you. If you don't have faith, I would always welcome you into faith. Absolutely. Um, But at the same time, the dividends will still pay off and it'll be worth every effort that you give. There'll be hard times. There'll be failures, but failing forward is still growth. That's what I tell my kids. It doesn't matter if you fail. It matters if you quit. Yeah. Right. Failing is a growth opportunity. Quitting is giving up. And so it's important to understand those two different words and what they really mean. But yeah, just start. Just start. Well said. I love it. I agree. And thank you so, so much for being here today. Amy, thank you. This was such a treat for me. It was such a privilege. You have no idea. Thank you so very much for honoring me with this. Oh, my pleasure. I had this mental image of watering the grass in my life. And I love the simplicity of what Sarah suggested about how to do that. Write down the little things that you do every day as a way of validating how you're investing in your life. And she's absolutely right that starting small uh, builds on itself. So here's a question for you. What small action will you take today as an investment in leading yourself well? And hey, if, if you're leading your family and feeling the nudge that you need some help, 
I encourage you, check out Sarah's website at saragode.com. That's S-A-R-A-G-O-E-D-E.com. And you can read all about what she offers for families. I love what she said about families being micro-leadership gold mines and that we should be raising little leaders for the next generation. That is just so beautiful and so true. So, hey, what would change for you if you approached your family with that mindset? That's worth spending some time thinking about. And if you would like for Sarah to help you with that, you can contact her at saragody.com. Hey, if you found this episode helpful, please take a minute, rate it, share it, or even write a review. And thank you so much for listening today. I consider it an honor that you allow me into your life through this podcast. Until next week, I'm yours, open to extravagant possibilities and growing on purpose. Here's your great big woohoo for completing another episode of the Growing with Amy podcast. I want to encourage you, Let something you heard nudge something you'll do. And until next time, remember, to be going somewhere, you've got to be growing somewhere. Bye for now.